Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are watching and listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. It's 6-15-21. And well, you might think that you want to go back to normal, the old normal. And maybe there's certain things about the old normal that you and I would prefer to uh, resume. But in some ways, believe it or not, you could be better off now with the new normal than the old normal. The article written by our good friend, Charles Hughes Smith. And you find him at ofTwoMinds.com, pretty much uh, pointing out uh, the things that were wrong with the old normal and why we should be embracing a new normal. Hey, what are your thoughts? Do you want the old normal back or do you want a better normal? Why don't you send an email to me, kl at kerrylutz.com. That's the email address. Charles, great to have you back on. It's been too long. And hopefully you've made it through the pandemic and you're, you're now embracing the new normal. <laughs> Thank you, Kerry. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be on with you again. And um, and I'm, I'm appreciative of you of you picking up this topic because, of course, you're a, a big metals, minerals guy. And that's really where the future is, is that we're going to have to transition away from the easy, cheap oil, which is mostly depleted and, and move into a new world of, of energy. And I think we can look forward to saying um, we're going to move from 
uh, wasteful consumption to like efficiency, you know? And I think that um, that's actually a growth industry. You know, we have a lot of waste in our system. And so I look, I think the new normal is let's be more efficient with, with the resources we have and let's, let's decentralize and, and relocalize stuff, you know, and instead of being dependent on, on, you know, central banks, central governments and huge workplaces, you know, uh, with a bunch of worker bees in cubicles, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of efficiencies to be gained from everything that some of the things that happened in the, in the COVID pandemic. Okay. So the new, well, let's talk about that. So the old normal for many of you out there was really comfortable. Uh, it was easier living perhaps than the new normal will be, but it came at a cost, didn't it, Charles? Right. Right. And, um, you know, on the other hand, a lot of a lot of people were working ridiculously hard, you know, uh, put getting up, you know, with early, early, super long commutes, um, terrible problems, juggling childcare and all this kind of stuff. And in other words, life was not easy for a lot of people. And so um, they, they I think a lot of people had that that sort of period of quiet in their lives where they said, wow, is this really the best I can make use of my life? Or is this really the best path to my goals? And then the answer was no, <laughs> right? Like I'm working harder and getting less money, you know, for various reasons. And um, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm so busy. I just, you know, I've got no time for um, living, you know? So I, I hope we have a more human scale life, you know, uh, that, that's another avenue to explore and look how many people how many of you out there were really like you said you're in soul-killing traffic you're commuting an hour each way uh you're having to trust your children to child care of dubious quality not being able to spend as much time with your family although for some of you out there maybe that was preferable but for most <laughs> of us uh, not so much now you've been forced to uh to reunite with your family your community uh, because you weren't allowed to go outside your community. And even within the community, it was difficult. And then the concept of wearing masks was really a, a means of further isolating you from your community, your friends, and your family to some extent. So maybe now we're going to be better off. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lifestyle choices. And then there's, I think, a, a larger scale energy transition we're, we're talking about, like, um, you know, that we we all know that our whole society for the last, you know, 40, 50 years has been like focused on consumption. You know, the, the more consumption, the better. And it's all like, well, what about being productive? You know, what about producing wealth? And and that's been put aside. Right. We've offshored lots of product uh, productivity and um, and essentials. Right. We now depend on other countries for cobalt and um, lithium and, and, and a ton of minerals and metals, but also for parts. Right. Semiconductors and all this. Uh, many of the other essential components. And so I think uh, people might be awakening to the national security implications of having offshored tremendous amounts of our of our industrial capacity and essentials to countries that may or may not be our friends. You know, frenemies are fine, but, you know, do you really want to have your entire economy um, dependent on your on whether your frenemies are going to um, let you have their co their cobalt? Yeah. <laughs> or their rare earths or. Yeah. All sorts of other things. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, like I said, uh, we were talking pre-call. I had COVID. People don't talk about how many of you who had COVID like me, and you're actually, your health is better now because you've refocused on it. The important things, 
reducing stress, eating healthier locally produced foods, and just uh, rejecting the great agri-industrial complex, which produces uh, all sorts of things that basically are slowly killing you. And that's what I came to realize from COVID more than anything else, that uh, if if you're overweight, if you've got uh, high blood sugar, type 2 diabetes, and all of these other ailments, it's all because of the old normal and the uh, things that were being fed to you that passed for food, but really weren't. So that's something that I think many of you out there can really profit from. Yeah, absolutely, Kerry. We all know that the, the big ag um, food uh, industry that you describe is, is um, good at putting out you know, um, unhealthy food because that, that's what their highest profit margins are on a bunch of unhealthy stuff. And there's a lot of good research out there that you've um, that you dug into about deep nutrition. And it basically boils down to just eat real food. <laughs> Don't eat anything that's been processed. You know, it boils down to that. And um, and so obviously there's there's um, potential for growth there. And we, we see it in, um, you know, local communities that are trying to encourage uh uh, local food production. And I, I just um, was watching something on C-SPAN, uh, but uh, about the city of Detroit, which is um, actually leading the way in a lot of ways to urban agriculture, that they've got like 30,000 volunteers, you know, harvesting uh, food in the local gardens within the city limits of, of Detroit. So there's, I think there's a lot of potential, and, and not just in, um, uh, you know, agricultural zones, but even in cities. So another growth industry, if you will, that would really help everybody's health. A renewable, a renewable growth industry because food is the ultimate renewable resource. I just, uh, I look back and I said, man, I was really taking those pretzels I love, cereal, uh, sugar. Sugar is just poison to your body over the long term. That doesn't mean you can't have a piece of cake here and there or an ice cream cone. Hey but it can't be part of your lifestyle. You know, Charles, when you and I were growing up, if you wanted a Coca-Cola, that was kind of a delicacy. The idea of having a six pack of Coke a day uh, never entered into it. And then even then the Coke was healthier. It used real sugar cane, not this high fructose corn syrup. And basically big food, they want you to eat stuff that really they've destroyed the flavor of. So they add back stuff like sugar, and like so many other other things we consume, chemicals in there, coloring, preservatives, uh, you know, refined carbohydrates like flour, uh, all these things are really injurious to your health over the long haul. And maybe, just maybe, the pandemic has kind of uh, really shown a light or as they call it, uh, has lifted the veil, apocalypse, the lifting of the veil of what was really happening in our world and in your lives, right? Yeah, absolutely, Kerry. And I think that's um, a silver lining that could really pay dividends because the other industry that that uh, benefits from us being ill and, and having a poor lifestyle is, of course, the healthcare quote industry, which I call sick care. Not that the people working in there aren't doing their very best to make everybody healthier, but the industry itself is um, benefits and profits from 
from passing out a lot of medications to solve things that like people like you solved by changing your diet and lifestyle. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you, you really are hurting big pharma here because they were planning to make like 10, $15,000, maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year off of you, you know, for handing out to, uh, give, you know, prescribing a, uh, a huge array of medicines or medications for you, um, to, to, uh, uh, not really alleviate the, the source of, of those diseases, but just to alleviate the symptoms, right? And so that, that's a, an industry that needs to be reformed, you know, uh, just like the food big ag industry. That's so true. You know, the average person my age, I'm 63, takes six prescription medications. So I've eliminated, I think, two or three of them. And so I'm down to three. There's one that I absolutely can't stop taking. I don't want to go into the nitty gritty details of it. But at this point, uh, for now, I can't really stop it. My goal is to get rid of all of them. I was spending upwards $150 a month on uh, sick care. And it wasn't addressing the underlying symptoms, the underlying causes, which is my diet. And uh, I always exercise pretty well. So that was a plus. But you can't control your weight through exercise alone. Diet is essential. That's what, again, it illustrated for me. And hey, if uh, Big Pharma's got to take a hit, uh, I really feel bad for them. But uh, they'll have to find some things that really help people and really cure things rather than going on long-term sick, unhealthy maintenance, which is what most of these drugs, heart medications, uh, blood sugar, diabetes medications, all these things, that's what they really do is just make you a, a captive consumer to big pharma till death do you part. Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Torque Resources is an exploration company establishing a portfolio of premier copper gold early stage projects in Chile. Torque's management and technical teams have a strong track record of raising capital, discovery, and monetization of exploration successes. The company's Margarita Copper Gold project is located within the prolific coastal Cordillera Belt in Chile, which hosts some of the world's largest and most profitable copper mines. The Margarita project possesses excellent discovery potential for a major copper discovery due to the strength of the alterations system, large-scale magnetic targets, and the presence of copper oxide mineralization. Drilling is anticipated to begin in Q3 of this year. Torque trades in Canada under TORQ and on the OTC under TRBMF. To learn more, go to TorqueResources.com. That's TorqueResources.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever. Well said. That's exactly that. That's exactly the, the business plan. You know, in terms of the old normal, too, is, you know, we're reading a lot of stories about people who are changing their careers or their their uh, their work life. And that's why we've got like nine plus million job openings. And it's all like, well, why isn't everybody rushing to take the old job at lousy pay and horrible working conditions? And it's all like, well, <laughs> because they figured out some other way to do it. Right. And, uh, you know, what how they. There's a lot of uh, openings in the U.S. for people to do some other choice other than, you know, spend a full time job um, at, at low pay, poor benefits. Um, and, and then that sets up all these health conditions we talk about, because when you're tired and stressed out and you barely get yourself home, then, of course, you're, you're more prone to eating processed foods and, and not taking care of yourself because you literally don't have the time and energy to take care of yourself. 
So it's, I think it's a really positive thing that people are refusing to take jobs that um, are, aren't paying enough to live on, have really poor working conditions, high stress, and they're finding other jobs or they're trying to uh, gain skills to acquire higher levels or they're, they're, they're working the gig economy, you know, or um, the informal economy, you know, they're, they're finding some other way to, to get by. And um, I think it's a good thing because I think the balance of labor and capital has been totally skewed to capital, right, for decades. I mean, there was a big RAND study um, that I've been referring to for the last six months that, that found that, um, you know, a study of income, you know, and capital in the United States from 19... 70s uh, to the present, like $50 trillion got transferred from labor to capital, $50 trillion. You know, that's a lot of money, even in today's world. And so I think that would be another positive. The old normal was, you know, you were supposed to go to work and not think about, you know, your own life. You were supposed to sacrifice yourself for corporate America. And it's all like, well, wait a minute. Is there, are there some other ways to live here that are better for the, the labor force even if it's less profitable for, you know, corporations. And, you know, maybe you're, when we look at the Tesla, yeah, it's great. It's a cool car. It's got a lot of technology, a lot of features. But one thing that Elon Musk is not doing to those cars is building in obsolescence. And I think in many ways, that's got the car industry and other industries more freaked out than anything else, because uh, those cars very well go for a million miles or more and uh, maybe you want a new car because you want it you've been programmed but look what elon musk has done he eliminated the model year as this catalytic uh, damn near orgiastic event in the auto industry like everything revolved around the new year the new model year like you got brighter tail lights and cooler looking headlights you know and you got tail fins going back to the 50s and 60s when we grew up and now all of that is kind of going to be gone. And I don't know that the cars won't look cool again. I mean, I think some of these EVs look really cool. But if I've got my choice of one car that'll go a million miles and the other car that'll go 250,000 with a lot of maintenance, I'll probably opt for the million mile car, even if I'm not going to hold it for a million miles, because let's say I only want it for 200,000, then I'll sell it. It'll still be worth something. You, you know, Charles, just think of PCs. Uh, if you had a, uh, what, a PC, a notebook computer that's five years old and you want to go to sell it, you're lucky to get a hundred bucks. But if you have an Apple, which in many ways isn't really any better than a regular PC, it is a PC, but in many ways, uh, it retains its value. I I've sold them five years later for 50% of what I paid Charles. And there's actually a market or a good product, a secondary market for which the other, you know, a PC is a throwaway now, right? But an Apple is not a throwaway. Obviously it costs twice as much, but they do seem to last. So I think corporate America has been in the search of short-term profits has thrown away the opportunity that could be realized from making high quality products that last more than one cycle, you know? No, I think you, you make an excellent point, Kerry. And I think that's another, uh, an entire like structural shift in the economy that would benefit, you know, everyone and the economy itself. And, you know, I've gone on and on on my blog about 
um, like appliances, you know, that start rusting within months, right? Because the paint yeah. is microscopic thin, you know, they don't even use a good primer. So um, the thing looks ugly and then you're supposed to replace it or cheap components, you know, like little sensors that cost like two or $3 fail. And then you, then people are throwing out like a thousand dollar appliance because the repair is 500 bucks. And, and all of that is just, we've, we've, it's like an erosion of quality and durability that, that we've come to accept. But as you point out, it's, it's not by any means necessary or positive. Yeah. And, uh, Really, we could see a whole trend here in society where we actually build products to last. Um, I think we're in an early infancy of it, but if they eliminate built-in obsolescence in cars here, and they actually have an incentive to do it because the uh, assuming the trend really is legitimate and we do switch to electric vehicles, they're going to have so much demand for those vehicles, they won't have to be thinking about how we get the person well, it's got a new infotainment system that will interface with your phone, all of these things, which are, are good in their own right, but really uh, quality in a product that has a tenth of the moving parts of its predecessor. Just on those grounds alone, we could be looking at higher quality. Uh, this could become a, a complete trend across the globe and probably gonna be better off. And now look, uh, your dishwasher dies, your washing machine, your refrigerator, you can't just go to Best Buy or Home Depot or Lowe's and just get a new one. And, uh, and then really uh, can't get a new one. It takes six months to come in and you, you're having to pay some guy a bribe to smuggle you in a refrigerator <laughs> before, you know, you gotta pay a couple hundred bucks to get them to deliver it tomorrow. I mean, it, it seemed to be our God given right as Americans to have, to be able to buy a, uh, an appliance, a refrigerator and have it delivered the next day. But that seems to be going the, by the wayside as well. Yeah. At, as you say, the, um, the global supply chains, everyone thinks that's going to go back to quote normal. I don't think they ever will go back to normal. There's been structural changes in the global economy. And so um, if we reshore stuff, reshore industry especially of components and and demand quality and um, then that's gonna that's gonna be a big boost for the economy you know um in, in terms of efficiency and um and and be making better use of our time and resources <laughs> you know it's just kind of common sense isn't it but we we waste so much of that you know and so um and, I, and it's going to be good for the national security i mean i think it's absolutely insane to depend upon other nations for your essential components and, and materials. I mean, it's just like leaving us incredibly vulnerable to geopolitical blackmail, if you will, or disruption. And so uh, one last point is, you know, the uh, I'm not a big fan of huge government regulations, but I think that there's some some potential there to improve, like we're talking about efficiencies. Everything should be recyclable, including lithium ion batteries, right? 98% of them are just thrown away right now because they're not assembled and manufactured in ways that they can be recycled. So, you know, we need to do a little bit more about that. So if we're going to have going to electrify the economy, we got to make sure that the batteries are recyclable and reusable. Yeah. Things like uh, battery recycling and Tesla has, has designed their cars with that in mind. And there's an industry popping up that will take Tesla batteries, figure out what's wrong, batteries that are wrong, get rid of them, put in the new ones, recycle the old ones, because the lithium doesn't go bad. 
it's just the uh, catalyst, I guess, the uh, cathodes that uh, wear down and the batteries. But, you know, even the Tesla Roadster, the first model, you can have a few cells go bad, but the idea of a cascading failure of all the cells, and there could be several, there could be thousands in a vehicle, that never happened with the Tesla battery pack. And they're all shaking their heads saying, hey, some of these packs got a million miles on them and they're still, well, they degrade a little bit over time, but not as much as they said they were going to. It's not like the battery in your cell phone, which from the day you get it, every day holds a charge a little less till one day it's 50%. The cars have been much better. So battery recycling and resource recycling uh, are really definitely in the cards for the US and for the country and the world at large, I should say. I, I hope so. And I think that's the future. And so we, uh, it's like we sort of think that growth has to come from waste. <laughs> and it's all like, no, growth can come from making better use of stuff, you know, and making better use of our time. And uh, that's, you know, so I, I think that's efficiency and, um, and a better lifestyle or growth industries, you know, and that, that's not a common perspective. But I mean, isn't it common sense? <laughs> common sense because pollution is waste. And companies that manage to reduce pollution see their profits go higher. And as individuals, if we can reduce our own personal waste, we'll see our standard of living get better as well. There's no reason to be replacing your washer, your dryer, your refrigerator every three years. I remember my parents had a refrigerator, I think it was 40 years old, and it was still working when they sold the house and left it with the house. Uh, it was a Norge refrigerator, if you remember that brand, a well-known brand from the 40s and 50s, sold the house in 1984, and that thing was still chugging along. So over, th and the original refrigerator that uh, came with the house, an Admiral refrigerator, that was still chugging along fine. So really, uh, we once did it, there's no reason we can't do it again. And the idea of making things higher tech, but crummier is really, uh, is really not what the future is. Uh, well, we'll see when you start keeping your cell phone for five years, then we'll know that the true new era, the new age of quality has reemerged. Charles, what, uh, what can we look forward to, to from you? Uh, books, what's your latest book and what are you working on? Yeah, my latest book um, is um, was on the whole idea of of, of um, you know my 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 idea for a labor backed cryptocurrency and and a new um, kind of incentive for for working within the community. So that that's kind of my focus is is looking ahead to new models for um, work that's uh, that's helping the community and helping individuals more than um, the, the system we have now. Uh, all right. Well, we always appreciate your books and uh, your prolific work. Really make a solid contribution to everything and the new normal that we're talking about. But like in every transition, there will be pain for some of you or many of you out there. But in the long run, this has to be an improvement. The age of consumerism, of consuming for the sake of consuming, conspicuous consumption and ostentatiousness. As far as I'm concerned, the sooner it goes, the better. Uh, just go check out Charles's site of two minds.com. Check out Amazon or wherever fine books used to be sold to get his books. And uh, if you got a question for Charles, send it to me, KL at Carrie I'll send it over to him 
And don't forget, sign up for our free newsletter, financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Charles, thanks so much for coming on. We won't let so much time pass till our next discussion. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thanks for listening to Kerry Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. For the latest, go to financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.